Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms and producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Greetings, citizens of Earth and all beings, both extraterrestrial and interdimensional. My name is Adam Swiderski, and this is Who Won the Week, a podcast dedicated to the top stories from the week in geek. I am joined by this week by my co-host and friend, as always, Kara Mahorn, aka the Blurred Girl. Hello. Hello. How are you? Good. Not much going on this week. No, it's from it's a been, uh, from the who on the week standpoint. We don't have anything to talk about, so we're just going <laughs> to exchange recipes for the next hour. No, I'm kidding. Star Wars Episode Nine: The Rise of Skywalker is finally here. Uh, and I am so exhausted because I saw it at midnight. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so tired. Yeah, man, I miss those days. I don't miss those days. No, you don't. The last one for me was The Lord of the Rings Return of the King. Oh, and you went to a midnight show? I did go to a midnight because at that time they didn't open movies at 7 p.m. That's true, the day before, yeah. It was a midnight show yep. and that movie was ridiculous 24 hours long yep. so i came to work the next day on like two hours of sleep it was rough anyway <laughs> so i feel your pain i, I know whereof you speak uh, but uh so we, we yeah we're gonna spend a lot of time talking about star wars a lot to unpack uh from the culmination of the skywalker saga a couple other things to talk about too we got some trailers that came out uh but absolutely lion's share is going to be star wars but before we get to that we do this thing at the top of every show where we talk about what we personally are geeking out about for the week, what is winning our week. So, Karima, <laughs> what's up with you? There's a few things that are uh, winning my week. One is um, Henry Cavill in a bath. Um, the second is, as always, the care and feeding of Baby Yoda. And the third would be, actually, I finally got cut up on Mr. Robot because I've been so busy, I haven't been able to do it. And it's so funny because it, this show feels so different when you can stream it. When you can't just sort of like watch it all at once. And um, it's funny because I was confused. I saw up until, I'm up to date. I saw it up to last week's episode. And I thought that was the, the series finale. And then I, I had to like run online. I'm like, that could not be it. <laughs> this season, I mean, I've liked every season, but this has been an incredible season. Elliot's incredible. But can I just tell you, if B.D. Wong does not win an award for his portrayal of White Rose, I don't know what I'm going to do because... It was fantastic. Christian Slater, everybody. Everybody on this show is absolutely amazing. And they're definitely putting us in a... I think for me, the last episode, and I guess going into the two-hour the two season finale coming up on the 22nd, we're basically going into the supernatural. It's always been a tech show, but we are now decidedly in the supernatural. I don't know if we're looking at, right now, time travel or whether we're looking at a parallel universe but there were so many shades of his dark materials in the last episode. Huh. It was, yeah, they, they, and I don't want to give it away, but they've definitely, a portal of some type was definitely opened. And the show's creator has said that he is definitely rounding out the, the show, but he's like, yeah, the supernatural is absolutely part of this show. You're not, you didn't, you didn't uh, imagine that. Well. So yeah, it, it was always tangentially a genre show, but now it is, solidly 
<laughs> a genre show. Yeah. Uh, and uh, so, yeah, the 22nd, don't call me. I'm, I'm going to be <laughs> taking in that whole um, situation. And then, yes, it's funny because I saw Star Wars at midnight. I got home and it was like, and now I can't sleep. And so I watched like half. Well, no, actually, I watched part of it at home and then I downloaded the rest on my phone. I watched uh, the first episode of Witcher, which we'll get into. But Henry Cavill. Amazing. I should point out, actually, I didn't say this in the introduction, but Witcher also dropped on Netflix today. Mm -hmm. We are due to the scope of the Star Wars discussion and due to the fact that we all want some time to digest as much of the show, the Witcher show as we can. We're going to push that one off to next week. So we will have a full dive on the Witcher in next week's episode. Uh, so stick around for next week if you are interested to hear what we think about that. Yes. Uh, so what are you geeking out about? Well, I uh, read a new book okay. this past week. Uh, it was called This Is How You Lose the Time War. Ha! And it's by Amal El-Motar and Max Gladstone co-writing. Uh, I would say it's more of a novella. It's a really quick read. Um, but it's basically the setup is there is this ongoing war between these two factions uh one that is kind of technologically based and one that sounds kind of organically based but it takes place across time and dimensions uh where they're basically trying to each influence the course of history to benefit their side in the time war and there are these two agents they're kind of like the the elite from each side blue and red are the names of the characters and at first they start as adversaries and then it develops into something of a love story and it's it's basically a lot of it is told in correspondence ah, because okay. they start leaving messages for each other at various points in history and across these different dimensions and timelines and uh kind of tracks the relationship that develops there uh really interesting structure for a book again primarily told in letters that they write each other it throws a lot of crazy concepts out there it's just a, it's just a atypical science fiction story it doesn't read like your typical science fiction story but it, it's just really really good and really beautifully written very poetically written is this one that would be good to read over the holidays like sure yeah, sure it's quick <laughs> taking, it's, it's not like a really long no 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 yeah if you're traveling for the holidays you need something to read in transit this is something really good and okay. it's it's if you're looking for plot or, you know, a world building that explains every single aspect of kind of the technology and how time travel works in a situation like this, blah, 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 you're not getting this it This is here. not that. <laughs> this is not what this is about. This book is about this relationship between these two characters on opposite sides of a conflict, finding common ground and, and, and the relationship that develops between them. So, again, yeah, like, if what you're looking for is the super world building and stuff like that, Maybe not this, but if you're looking for something different and something like just again, if you're into really well written prose with some awesome sci fi concepts wrapped around it, this is uh this is a good book. This is how you lose the time war. Okay. Is the gonna, and right. and the author again? It's two. It's Amal El Motar and Max Gladstone okay. co writing. Which makes sense when you look at the structure of the book and the way the letters are written back and forth. I imagine, although I didn't do any research into this, that that's kinda how they did it, is that one author took the persona of one of the characters and one author took the persona of the other of the characters and they, and they corresponded, corresponded more or nice. less that way. I, I like to imagine that's what it is. I hope that's what it is. I don't know. No, but, it just uh, feels like a, it, it feels makes, like an RPG that was put into a novel. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so it makes, it may, would make a lot of sense if that's the way it fell out. And uh, again, just as, as a lover of words and the use of, of poetic imagery and things like that, this book does a really great job of that. So cool. check that one out if you're looking for something cool to read. 
over the holidays. I will absolutely do so. All right. Uh, the other thing, actually, that I do want to set up before we get into anything is that, uh, before we get into our main topics, is that uh, Lost in Space, mm-hmm. the show, debuts next week. It's season two on Netflix. And there's so much happening over the holidays. I know, man. Remember when <laughs> things used to slow down or like summer was the movie season and that was it? And yeah. then we just kind of stopped paying and then attention we had seasons. for a while. There yeah. were seasons. Yeah. There was pilot season. Yep. <laughs> That's all gone. Everything's just happening all the time. Um, but- in the build-up to that, we actually had the chance to sit down with uh, actress Mina Sundwall, who plays Penny mm. on that show, the middle child. Yep, she's really good. Uh, and so I got the chance to talk to her for an interview. Uh, we're going to play you an excerpt from that interview right now. So Penny last season also had a, had the romantic travails, right, yeah, with VJ. She, she had a boyfriend. Yeah, what baggage does she carry from that? into season two that actually for me was one of the most fun parts of the season i love a jay i love doing scenes with a jay we are such good friends it's always so much fun to be able to play off of each other and it was a point of penny having to overcome that kind of betrayal and see the better side and be able to work together with vj again after everything had happened because we do a time cut into seven months, they've had a little bit of time to reflect and get over it in a sense. And when they see each other again, there is always something that has to be done or a problem that has to be solved. And when you are living in a kind of constant state of life or death, it's important to surround yourself with people who know you and who you trust and who trust you and who can support you in what you're doing to solve whatever the problem is. And it's about rebuilding that trust. And so the whole Penj, it does it does survive. They are a team, whether or not it is in the same way that they were before. And so the, the hashtag will live the on. The hashtag I'm will guessing. live on. Yeah. Hashtag Penj and hashtag Robot are the two things that <laughs> pop up on my Twitter the most. So yeah, you can check out more of that interview in bonus episodes that are going uh, a bonus fun. episode that's going to drop. Uh, she's, you know, she's very, uh, interesting, had a lot of things to say about Penny's journey in the next season and, uh, what we can expect to see. So yeah, really cool conversation. And we might hear, uh, more about that show next week because again, it drops on Netflix. So we'll probably be talking about that in tandem with the Witcher, uh, when it comes around. All right. So that's that. Let's get into stuff going on this week in particular. Uh, first, we've got some trailers yep. to look at. I know we're stalling. You guys want to hear the Star Wars stuff, and we'll get to that in a second. But uh, <laughs> Other first, things happened on the planet. It's true. It's true. So we had a trio of trailers uh, drop this week that are of interest to us. Uh, the first that I saw chronologically was Onward. We've only got 24 hours to bring back the rest of Dad. We're going on a quest. Yeah. A uh, new trailer for Pixar's upcoming film that basically sets fantasy creatures in a more modern setting we get a little more details on the plot here in terms of the character tom holland's playing father or i guess tom holland and chris, chris Pratt's Pratt, their father, brothers right yeah, uh being reincarnated but then it creates a kind of weekend at bernie situation with the lower half of his body <laughs> um and then and they try they have to get to it, it there's clearly a quest yes because there's a one involved yeah <clears throat> so they have to they all have a certain amount of time like at any good video game, to get to uh, a particular place right. in order to put the rest of their father back together again right. to hear what he has to say because he's not going to be able to stay for very long. Right. He only gets 24 hours, I think, on 
in reincarnation after having died. So I don't know. How'd you feel about this trailer? Honestly, I think it's going to be fun. It took me a second to realize that was Chris Pratt. I, I mean, and there's so many voices in here. And I'm like, oh my goodness. I'm excited again. It's weird. It's almost like Disney in reverse because Disney stays killing a parent and this is like bringing one back. So it was like, but wait, are we going to be able to do it? Yeah. I mean, it's Pixar. There's going to be tear jerking there, happening. Absolutely. Especially uh, probably when he leaves or whatever. Yeah. Um, But I think it's a, I think it's a cute team up. Because I'm like, oh, look, Spider-Man and Guardians of the Galaxy, you know, like yeah. teaming up. It's a, it, I think they play well off each other. This world where they take a lot of the archetypes that we know, a fantasy, like the how like unicorns are just trash. Like they're like the rats of this universe. They're doing some interesting things in terms of the emotion and family and stuff like that because they also have soul coming out. I, I think this one drops before soul, I, I believe. Think so. yeah. And... I think it's going to be a fun ride, but again, I kind of want to see the the final trailer to like, you know, assess all of the trailers. But from what I've seen so far, it's a lot of fun. And there's going to be tons of plushies and toys. And that's all I can think of after this is like all the toys that they're going to sell after yeah. this movie. I think the thing for me is that I don't know 100% that I'm sold on the actual story yet. Because the thing is, the the ideas behind it, the world building, oh, there's these fantasy creatures, but they all live in a kind of reflection of modern Western mm-hmm. society. And a cul-de-sac. Um, is fun. <laughs> and, and all the things you can do with that, oh, the, the police officer is a centaur. And, yeah. you know, the unicorns are kind of the raccoons of this world and all that stuff. And that's funny. But then... What else? It's Yeah, it's not enough. You know, you have to have a really compelling story with characters you fall in love with. I mean, that's what Toy Story did really well, right? Mm-hmm. It had tons of references to all these classic toys and things that you could play with with that. But then, you know, people fell in love with Buzz and Woody and, uh, you know, that is what really drove the success of those movies. So I'm not, it's just a trailer, so I don't know for sure yet, but I, but it's just, I'm not getting that feeling yet of like, ooh, I'm really interested in what happens to these characters, you know? And I think the other thing, I heard this, I can't corroborate this as fact, that in addition to them trying to find their father, like one of the reasons why they're having so much trouble is because whatever this world is, it's losing its access to magic. Uh, so I think that might be the other interesting big, but again, I don't quote me. I don't know if it's magic or a very specific type of magic. Right. They seem to be, but whatever that is, is causing this issue. That's why they have to travel. Well, and that could play into, because apparently, you know, Tom Holland's character Brings, launches the spell without even meaning to. So maybe he's like the one who's bringing magic back into the world. Right. He's like the magic prodigy who can fix that. That's interesting. He is one with the force. Yeah, and ah. the force is with him. So <laughs> it's a, uh, I mean, again, just a trailer. So I don't, I'm not making any judgments yet on the story because we haven't seen the story. Yeah, um, I, but I don't think this trailer does a really good job of telling us what the story yeah, is. Yeah, yeah. But then <laughs> I, I'm trying to think back if like the first Toy Story trailer really sold me on the adventure That's of these true. two characters and I don't know. I don't and know. And honestly, you know, it, it is, I don't want the entire plot. I hate that. Yeah, but, exactly. But uh, a little bit more into this universe would be would be nice. And speaking of trailers that gave very little away, uh the quiet uh, the quiet place. A quiet place too. Just a teaser. It was a teaser and yeah. I was <laughs> it's very funny. I mean, the movie's been out for a while. I didn't see the first one because scary, but my boyfriend did, and I was like, where's John, John Krasinski? I'm saying his name wrong. And he was like, um. <laughs> I'm like, oh, okay, man. I figured it out. So, but, but he's apparently directing it. Yes. And I think he's been busy because he ran off to do an Amazon show. So, <laughs> I'm just upset this is not called A Quieter Place. Right. Or Silence. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> a Silent Place. But it just seemed like 
if you are worried about monsters that can attack you, that are blind but can attack you if they hear anything, walking in the woods on dried leaves is probably not the place you want to be. But that's why they weren't. They had a path, and yeah. then suddenly the path ended. The path ended. I think this is movie is going to be A Quiet Place to the quest for ion lithium batteries. Oh, stop. Because... I. I mean, spoilers for the first film, but there's some things having to do with the the deaf child's hearing aids that play a significant, and the frequencies they emit that play a significant role in the proceedings. It seems like at the end of the first movie, the family kind of has a way to ward off these creatures, or they know the, the, the way to defeat them, or to at least protect themselves. And then we set up in, in part two where they're still in danger. So the question is why and how? Mm-hmm. And so that's what I'm saying. I think it's that the, the hearing aids ran doc- out. Of- I had a Dr. Manhattan moment. Like, wait. Yeah. The lithium batteries. Yeah. So, so the thing is, like, the, if, the, if the hearing aids run out of batteries, then they're screwed. Yeah, so that's what this is. Anything, they just yeah. have to find a charger somewhere. Oh, wow. Like a USB port. Or it's a quest for a USB port. It's a quest for a portable charger. So again, we didn't see much of anything in this trailer. No. It's just the family walking in the woods. Emily Blunt looking terrified. Yeah. And, but I'm, I mean, I love Emily Blunt. I think she's great and I will watch anything she's in. So <laughs> I, I'm down for that aspect of this as well. And then the third trailer, also not revealing a lot, but revealing a lot more than we'd seen before. But I didn't care. <laughs> of Christopher Nolan's Tenet. Yeah. To do what I do. I need some idea of the threat we face. As I understand it, we're trying to prevent World War III. Nuclear holocaust? No. Something worse. It's so funny because I had, watching this, I had shades of The Matrix. I had shades of uh, Born Identity. I had shades of all these different movies but in true nolan-esque trailer uh world i should i should say he he didn't give us much and but he gave us these iconic iconic images of uh robert pattinson and um (laughs) i'm gonna stop calling this man denzel washington's son i promise (laughs) um (laughs) um but uh for those of you who remember him from black klansman but I, i just really thought that what they set up, and Nolan is not saying anything, but it's clear that we're dealing with a either parallel universe or a universe in which we can travel, but it, it, time manipulation. Some kind of time manipulation. Yeah. yeah. As well as possibly, I heard or read, actually, something to do with evolution. So maybe that has to do with whatever happens to him at the beginning, which was clearly some type of test, and then he's given some type of drug because you see him in an oxygen mask later Hmm. so it has something to do with something that they're able to do to either unlock some type of a sixth sense in us or something Um, but definitely the time travel part is amazing and everybody in this world has an amazing well tailored suit (laughs) well I mean that's the thing is what I had read is that this was being set up kind of as an espionage type of movie which it seems like it is right he belongs Mm -hmm. to some kind of organization they test his loyalty and he passes and then he's on the next level of super secret spy thing. But then, so, so most of the trailer I was thinking, okay, this is just kind of a spy thriller, right? Right. And, uh, and then we get to the end and, uh, John David Washington starts talking about things that haven't happened yet. And we're seeing things rewind and it's just it, a little bit mind blowing, uh, to see that. And I think that, 
I'm super excited for this movie now. No, I am too. And the yeah. way it was cut was very, very interesting. And also, I didn't recognize half the actors. Like, I didn't, there's like a Debo, Ke- Kenneth Branagh, and like Aaron Taylor Johnson. I'm like, okay, so Quicksilver has a complete makeover. I didn't recognize him at all. And it was just, every, even Robert Pattinson, did, who fans of the show know I'm not a huge Robert Pattinson fan. But it's growing on me. If this is the look we're we're building on him, and then we're gonna build on look look to put him in Batman, I can get on this. He looks like he's had a sandwich or seven, which is nice. He's not looking half as anemic as he did the last time we saw him. It, but it, in terms of pacing and giving us part of the story, but just enough, not so much that we we get everything. I'm actually very excited. Also, the cinematography. Looks really, really good. I mean, it's a Christopher Nolan film. Those yeah. are usually beautifully shot movies. Uh, so yeah, I agree there, one hundred percent. This is going to be a, a great film to look at. Uh, again, the story is being super tightly kept under wraps. The trailer doesn't give a ton away. Uh, I'm psyched to see John David Washington in, in another leading role. I think he was great in Black Klansman. Yeah, and uh, you know, every time he opens his mouth, though, he sounds exactly like his father. I know. It's just like if you're not looking at the camera, I'm like, oh my god, that sends out. Yeah. <laughs> Which is, I mean, being honest, if you're working in Hollywood, that's not a bad thing. That's not a bad thing yeah, at all, yeah. yeah. It's not but, a bad association to have. But it's, it's um, I definitely look forward to peeling back the layers on this one, seeing, you know, trailer two, trailer three. I might stop watching after trailer two because I don't want to know too much because I like, th- this is one of those I want to go in not knowing much. Interesting. Yeah. Uh, so that is Tenet and that is our trailer roundup for this week. And now we're done. Goodbye. No, <laughs> That's I'm it. Just Bye. Kidding, man. Thanks for playing. I'm just going to beat that joke <laughs> until it's dead again. <laughs> anyway, no, but we are going to get into Star Wars Episode Nine: The Rise of Skywalker. We're going to start off with a spoiler-free or as spoiler-free as we can make it discussion. Uh, and then at a certain point, we're going to just give set off the alarm and get deep into what's actually going on in the movie. And at that point, you're welcome to check out if you haven't seen it yet and then come back and hear what we have to say. But before we do that, let's take a break. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. If debit is your go-to card, Discover thinks it's time you get rewarded too. So check out Discover Cashback Debit, a game-changing checking account with cashback on everyday debit card purchases. That's right. Cashback isn't just for credit cards anymore. Whether it's a movie date, flea market find, or midday latte, you can start earning cashback. And did I mention there are no fees, period? Check out transaction eligibility and terms at discover.com slash cashbackdebit. Discover Bank, member FDIC. What a great break that was. And while we were gone, we've picked up another passenger on the uh, on the X wing. On the X wing, exactly. Uh, as we get ready to dive into episode nine, please welcome to the show Caitlin Bush, associate features editor Hello, of Sci Fi Wire, and one of the co-hosts of Job of the Pod, our Star Wars themed podcast, which you can listen to right now, but not right now because you're listening to us. <laughs> 
Don't go We're, anywhere. Stay here. Exactly. That's right. How's it going, Caitlin? It's very good. I am at home uh, for the holidays, and I know that y'all are probably heading out soon for your homes, and I think everyone's just ready to, I mean, chill for a while, but we're here instead, and we're having a good time. I was going to say, but first, before we chill, we have no chill about Star Wars Episode <laughs> Nine: The Rise of Skywalker, which has arrived uh, to middling reviews, middling to bad, if you put any stock in Rotten Tomatoes, it's around 57% the last time I checked. Which is not great. Not great. But again, the la- you know, The Last Jedi had a 90-something percent and proved incredibly divisive. So here we are, the end of this nine-movie saga. Spoiler-free discussion. What did you guys think? What's your, what's your like, one-sentence review? Uh, <laughs> I have a one-word review. I think it's... It- uh, no, actually, it's more than one word. I would say it, it's okay. I mean, it was entertaining. It just, I did not feel like the the end of one of the biggest <laughs> franchises. It's not the end of the franchise, but the end of one of the biggest arcs in a franchise, you know, that I've known about my whole life, basically. I kind of, yeah, I think that was that was it for me, that I was entertained, but it was not the best Star Wars movie I've ever seen. How about you, Caitlin? I, I agree. I think um, going in, we all expected this is this is very much a movie directed by J.J. Abrams, and it is a movie that is trying to be everything to everybody, and a lot of it feels like a reaction to a lot of the backlash to The Last Jedi, which is one of my favorite Star Wars movies of all time. It's within my top three. Yeah, um, and that, that's so, the sad part. <laughs> Right, exactly. And I think um, Last Jedi did something different, which is why I loved it so much. It took me by surprise. And there was nothing in The Rise of Skywalker that left me just flabbergasted, I guess, in a good way. There were some flabbergastings in not the best way, but, you know, <laughs> uh, we, we, don't need to, we don't need to get into it because then we'll get into spoiler territory and we don't need to do that. Right. Not yet, anyway. I w- I'm going to complete the trifecta. Unfortunately, I I was somewhat I was pretty disappointed in this movie. And the one thing it's it's one thing to like or or dislike or agree with some choices or disagree with some choices. And I agree with Karima that there are good parts. Like there are elements of this movie that are good and entertaining and fun to watch. But at the yes. end, I didn't. I felt a lot less than I expected to emotionally speaking. I kind of felt cold coming mm-hmm. out of this movie it just didn't feel I, I the the emotional resonance that came that comes with some of the storytelling beats in the original trilogy just wasn't there for me and th- that made me sad because i really wanted to like this movie even though i you know there it makes some choices that i i really strongly disagree with i was still like okay you know at the end of the day if i still if i get the star wars feels I can, I can look past that. And I, I just never did. And it was really, it was a bummer like to walk out just kind of like, okay, that was a movie. You know, admittedly, that's a lot of pressure to put on this film is like, it's going to provide me with the emotional closure for 40 years of my life or whatever, <laughs> you know, and, and that's a lot to put on any one <laughs> film and any one filmmaker, but. Okay, let's say you hated Last Jedi and, and that, you know, Empire Strikes Back is the only, you know, <laughs> um, Star Wars, you know, uh, the last Star Wars movie you, you recognize. And I could see why you would hate it. But then again, if you loved Last Jedi and you've loved the entire fr- new franchise so far, this still left was left lacking. It still was like, yes. uh, there's, there's, there were so many loose ends. And I, look, 
I'll say my I just feel like Kelly Kelly Marie Tran. I feel they jubileed her. I feel like we saw a lot more of her in the trailer and in the you know in the <laughs> interviews and stuff than we did in this movie. And I thought that was at worst a really at at the very least a very bad oversight or a very bad edit. And at worst, the fanboys won, and I didn't I didn't like that. Right. There was absolutely no wrap up to anything about her from the last movie. There was no continuation of it. And I, you kind of hit the nail on the head, Caramel, where I think we actually saw all of her scenes in the movie in the trailer. In the trailer. Yeah. And I was like, Ugh. which is actually Jubilee got done worse. But <laughs> And so, Caramel, you also liked The Last Jedi, right? At least like yeah. it. No, so, I did like it. I didn't hate it. I thought it was. I thought it yeah. was great. I it's, mean, it's I mean, unfortunate. I kind of wish we had someone on the podcast who didn't, because I I love the Last Jedi. It's, it's probably my second favorite Star Wars movie. And so the choices that were made that kind of retconned a lot of the stuff that we talked about in there. I mean, at least, I guess it's a minor spoiler to say that, but there was already rumblings about this out there. You know, they upset me because I enjoyed the film. I'd be, but like thinking about them objectively. They're, they felt really clumsily executed to the point that I wondered if they would even satisfy people who didn't like the way things went in the last movie. Well, it's funny. I looked at some reviews of people who didn't like the last movie and they didn't like this one either. But then again, a lot of the... And here's the thing. I don't want to sit here and say... Like, it, The Last Jedi, I don't feel the same way in terms of it was one of the my favorite Star Wars films. But I, I saw it as them taking it in a different direction and I thought it was fine with it and I thought it was well executed. This was not well executed. <laughs> like, there were so many <laughs> things that were, and don't get me started on Finn. That, that I have to go into spoiler territory for that. But it's just, I, okay, winding it back up, things I liked. Mm-hmm. I thought um, the Billy D showing up as Lando was lovely. It was adorable. Um, I liked him reconnecting with Chewie. Thought that was fantastic. I even liked the, uh, the uh i was about to say force jumping it's not it's warp jumping that poe was able to do with the ship i thought that was fun um that was really cool yeah and it was it was also one of those why has nobody tried this before um the the stormtroopers it was it was convenient exactly the stormtroopers are perennially bad but we actually have more of an idea as to why that is um because they're not necessarily all hardened trained soldiers you know, we got some answers behind that. But, and then, oh, what was the name, Adam, what was the name of the little droid mechanic? Babu Frick. Yes. Babu Frick is adorable. Babu Frick was my favorite character in the film. <laughs> I loved Babu Frick. As much as the way they popped I think up I, need, I think I need a trilogy with Babu Frick as the star. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so I, I, I agree. I think the cast was great. I will say that overall. I think everybody who performed, performed well. I thought it was weird that it was they ever made a big deal out of Carrie Russell. I'm like, okay, but I saw her eyes. Yeah, like, that it. was a, that was a weird choice. I think <laughs> so, but I, again, I think you know, in the three leads, I think John Boyega, Oscar Isaac, and Daisy Ridley have really good chemistry together. Anytime mm-hmm. they're interacting, it popped. Yeah, when they were on the ship together, I really wish that was more of the movie. Right, and that I wish Kelly Retran's character was on that ship with them. Well, and like, I, I wish all that the was the crew. Yeah, I wanted her to go with them. Yeah. When she was like, no, I'm going to stay here. I'm like, no, baby, what is Why? you doing? <laughs> no. And and I think that people have been saying, a lot of the reviews, if you read them out there, have been saying that the movie feels overstuffed. And I think that's true. It, it really moves. Again, you go from place to place to place to place to place. But because of that, 
you lose out on some character development. You lose out on creating interpersonal stakes, like developing these relationships that we're talking about that haven't had. And I think maybe it speaks to the trilogy as a whole that those relationships aren't necessarily felt as much as we would like them to at this point. Um, And you're right though about the pacing. Cause I did rewatch last Jedi this week, just in preparation. And I, what I remember is that the pace of it was more deliberate you yeah. know, well, not all that of them. Was... I mean, I, I watched Empire Strikes Back in preparation oh, wow. for our job of the pod, you know, recap of Empire Strikes Back that I did. And there I, I, I was thinking about it. There are four locations total in that movie. There's Hoth. There's the space chase with the Millennium Falcon, which we'll just call that one sector of space a location. There's Dagobah and there's Cloud City. And that's it. And because you're not trying to bounce around so much, there's time for everything to like, for those scenes to breathe and this movie just it it moves from place to place to place to place it moves from scene to scene and things don't have the room to breathe and right, I, and I think that a, it suffers for that and there was a lot of exploding things and you thought people died that didn't it was weird it but was like- I will say I mean like again and, and it continues the use of the Ray and Kylo can can contact each other across time and space mm-hmm. I like that I, I like the way it was expanded on here it's expanded on in some interesting ways Again, I, I think the cat. Yeah, I think the cast is the biggest highlight of this, and you know, it, it, it creates some great moments, like the the confrontation between Ray and Kylo that we've seen in the posters and in the trailers, where they're lightsaber fighting in this wreck in the ocean. Uh, so that's not a spoiler that this actually happens. Is great and really a good lightsaber fight and mm-hmm. a good compelling relationship moment. So there there are these moments that pop up that you're like, oh, that's awesome. You know, this is a really cool thing, but. It's just as a as in service to a cohesive whole, it doesn't quite work for me. Caitlin, what did you enjoy about the film? I like that you brought up all of the Kylo stuff because I want to vaguely get into that because I think the way that they wrapped up his story was, in my mind, how they needed to do it. It was what I kind of always wanted for the character. And I think, as usual, Adam Driver, being as talented as he is, adds so much to the performance um if it were anyone with any less ability or any less ability to emote i guess in very subtle ways it would not be as satisfying to me um so i think adam driver as usual blew me away um i love the way that um kylo and ray's relationship continues in this that's been one of my favorite parts is kind of watching this back and forth for a very long time and i also enjoy I mean anytime the characters are all together Adam you're right the characters are really what make it and I think the reason why I I like that you brought up the all of the locations and the changes and I think part of the problem versus like Empire has very few locations which kind of makes it feel a little bit tighter I think the problem with these movies is that we have introduced more characters so we have all of the originals that we originally loved and then you just keep adding more to them So it makes sense to jump around more and go to all of these different places. But that does take away from the solidity of the narrative. It gives you less time with every single character. And in the end, we don't, at least I didn't get as much as I wanted from each and every character. I could watch a a solo trilogy of every single one of these characters and watch them grow and watch them continue on into the universe, Um, which unfortunately I don't get the feeling we're gonna get now that the Skywalker saga is over it seems like they are 
using the end of the Skywalker saga as a as a marker that we will not be seeing any of the rest of these characters in other movies. Yeah, I think all three, Daisy Ridley, John Boyega, and Oscar Isaac were asked about that recently, yeah. and they all three kind of said, nah, we're, kinda, we're done for now. Yeah. I don't know, is it a spoiler to talk about who the villain is? I think they have alluded to it enough in the trailers, and, I mean, Ian McDermott introducing the trailer uh, at uh, Star Wars Celebration is enough that I think we could go a little bit into it. All right, that's fair. So then it's not a huge spoiler to say that in some capacity, mm-hmm. the Emperor is back, right? Yep. Yes. What did you guys think of this choice and the way that it was handled? Again, without trying to get into spoiler territory. I think it was really sudden. Yeah, forced is the word I was going <laughs> to... No pun intended, but... Right. I mean, until this point, I think I would have preferred more hints of the Emperor's presence throughout the trilogy rather than just, oh, by the way, the Emperor's back. Uh, and that's something that you're going to have to deal with. That's your big bad at the end of all of this. I think I would have preferred a more cohesive narrative between the three films, which unfortunately I think is what you get when you have different people writing the films and when you have different directors going in. I think one of my friends put it really well, and he said um, that I would have preferred either three J.J. Abrams-directed movies or three Ryan Johnson-directed movies. Just keep it very consistent because as much as people will complain about you know the original the uh sorry not the original trilogy the prequel trilogy at least it all felt stylistically cohesive because it was george lucas the whole time yeah and this is just i i don't know if i'm the only one who feels like this but i think there's one thing that they could have done that would have i don't want to say mended the fandom (laughs) I just think would have helped a little bit. And that is originally um, from the beginning in Lucas's original trilogy, it was always that Anakin was the, the, the chosen one and, and things like that. And so I think the this arc of his character, if you're going to bring somebody back, I didn't mind why and how Palpatine came back. I thought it, in terms of edit, it was sudden, but I feel like, had if you're gonna spring something like that on us, I think it would have made more sense if it was an Anakin Vader that came back in some way, shape, or form, or was possessed into someone. Mm. You know what I mean? I just felt that we've been staring at his we've been staring at his helmet for like <laughs> how many movies? <laughs> so I just felt like that would have been a nice tease to bring him back, also proving that Kylo Ren isn't necessarily, you know, he would have recognized right away, like, this, this can't do it, guys. And I don't know. I just kind of feel like, I don't know how you would have written it, but I just feel like if you're going to bring anybody back, bring Vader back, and then, or it's a it's a series of, it's a possession thing. You know, they've clearly done the, the Avatar thing, the Korra Avatar thing, where, you know, you are all the history of all of the Jedi, all the history of all the Sith, you know, live in you. So it would be interesting if it was a battle, if it was Palpatine and then, you know, Anakin's spirit fought him for dominance. And then, you know what I mean? Something like that would have just been more, I don't know, to me, more interesting. But I know Star Wars is very known for being on the nose. This is good and this is evil. Um, you know, this is this is light, this is dark. And when they toyed with the with the gray, I think 
that is where the script kind of got got muddled. I did, again, if we're going to talk about what we like, did like that last fight thing. I'm not going to give it away what happened, but I did like the way it um went down, the way it played out. I really did, again, also, like Adam said, like the use of the uh, they Ray's and Kylo's link. Um, I think that could have been used in one more way, though. That would have been really interesting. It's it's just I think everybody that and I haven't talked to that many people because literally I just saw the movie like four hours ago, but like I what I've seen in terms of reviews as well as what I'm hearing here even it's like everybody's like oh it could have just done this one more thing mm. or it was almost there so it's sort of like they laid the groundwork but I feel like if they had six more months they could have made this a better movie I don't know interesting I I actually I will say this as the good part is about the Emperor stuff I love Ian McDermott I think yeah. he's awesome and he's great in this movie. Uh, in the capacity he's there, I really like the way it was shot. A lot of the stuff yeah. with him, it brings a, it's, his powers. It, it's were straight ridiculous. up, like honestly, it's straight up horror movie filmmaking yes. in some of parts, the parts that he's involved in. There's and, some body horror there, yeah, and or just the you know the way the light is used. It's it's cool and it's stylized and it's neat. It's just in service to something that, again, I, I agree with what Caitlin said. It's like it feels kind of out of the blue. Yeah. It wasn't set up in the previous films. Uh, it isn't really explained. And I, I'm not a person, I'm often not a person who needs a lot of exposition to explain why or how something is like because, right? But when there's it's a something lot of that in this film, though. There's a lot of like, yeah. wait, what? And it's something this momentous. They don't really get into it. And, and then just some of the decisions that were made, I, I just don't understand. So again, it's a mixed bag. It's like, yeah, like Ian McDermott. Awesome. I love seeing him on screen. I love the way they shot this stuff. It's really cool. But at the end of the day, the, the why and how of it didn't resonate with me. Um, and I, I, Caitlin, I 100% agree with what you said earlier about the unifying vision for the trilogy. Cause the thing is like the original trilogy had three different directors, right? It did. George Lucas, uh, Irvin Kirshner and uh, I forget who did the third one now this is going to kill me later but who did Return of the Jedi but if you look at the story credit in IMDB for all three films it's George Lucas yeah. right which means there was a there was a story in mind right there was an arc and we knew where we were going and how we were going to get there and that's if you want to look at another example of a movie that a lot of people feel stuck the landing in closing out a long running saga of films which was Avengers Endgame earlier this year yeah. there was 100% from probably the first Avenger on a, a, a vision, a, a story in mind, you know, Thanos and the, the uh, stones and all that stuff and how we're going to get there. And it informed everything that happened up to that point. So that when you got to the end, you were like, wow, this really all seems to make sense as a cohesive whole. But that's what it is. And this, they and, should have called the Russo brothers. Yeah. Or no, the or, well, <laughs> they have, they have called Kevin <laughs> well, Feige now, which is, that's what I was going to say. Because, now they've called Kevin Feige in. Cause you don't, you don't, uh, I was saying this before the podcast. J.J. Abrams is not who who he should not be running anchor. I'm sorry. If this was a relay, you have him run the middle leg. You don't have him run anchor. He just can't do it. But I just I don't I don't I don't know if I necessarily blame J.J. because J.J. is a competent filmmaker, right? Like he's a good. Say what you want about some of the choices he makes, but he knows how to shoot. He knows how to construct a scene, etc. He knows how to use a lot of light. Right, and he was put in a really... I mean, this is... Again, this movie almost couldn't have fully lived up to what everyone wanted out of it, but... Yeah. No, of course not. But it's just it's it's just a difficult situation when it's like J.J., someone else, then J.J. again, 
and it show it just shows throughout this movie how again there there just wasn't a an arc in mind from the very beginning and i think that that's where this trilogy has suffered is that it just hasn't had that unifying vision driving it or if it if it oh, let me say this if that unifying vision was there if they knew before the force awakens comes out that like the third movie the emperor is going to come back and we're going to have this these characters play out this way then they they screwed the, uh, they didn't yeah. dis, they didn't display it very well they didn't they didn't let, uh, plant the seeds for that but that's that's what i'm saying in all those movies what did we see vader's helmet right <laughs> like, um right can we get well, to and the you know now? i <laughs> not yet yeah, well, I Caitlin, mean, we, we what definitely say? can Oh, I, I think um, the this and I said it earlier, but I think the the problem being that this movie, unfortunately, very much read to me as trying to appease as many people as possible, especially yeah. after the reaction that a lot of people had to The Last Jedi in my mind. And of course, we don't know the inner workings of how Lucasfilm was doing all of this, but in my mind, they saw how people were reacting and then they pivoted really fast and this a lot of this feels like a panic reaction yeah it does it feels like a panic reaction to twitter right and they they brought jj back in who adam as you point out is a very competent filmmaker he has made some great stuff i have so much fun when i watch the majority of his movies but jj abrams is a people pleaser at the end of the day like he is fan service to the max um and which is not necessarily a bad thing that's what i'm sure some people desperately wanted from this film that is wrapping up you know 42 years of insanity um and that's not an easy thing to do but uh this this movie read to me as trying to be everything for everybody yeah yeah and and honestly even if he directed all three uh, or like you said, Caitlin, even if Ryan Johnson directed all three, if the reaction from the studio was going to still be the, the same, like, oh, my God, the fans, oh, my God, Twitter, oh, my God, all of these, these people that are, you know, mounting all of these protests because of this movie, if they if they if <laughs> the studio was still going to have that kind of reaction, I still don't think we would have liked this movie that much. I think we would have ended up maybe not with the same story, but we might have ended up in the same place because I'm not saying that you should ignore fandom. I'm just saying that when you're when you try to be too many things to too many people, this is what happens. It's, right. it's it just gets you, and then it, there's when you try to put too many seasons in the in the stew, it just doesn't come out right, and you can't right. take it out. All right, so we've talked a bit. You kind of get our general impression. Now let's get into spoiler territory. I think there are no rules here. <laughs> Spoilers are on the table. So if you have not yet seen this movie. Please take the kids. Leave we the love room. you. Yeah, we love you. Go see it. Come back and check us out after that, uh, and listen to more. Who won the week? But uh, so spoilers, spoilers, spoilers. Oh my God! Go, Caitlin. <laughs> Caitlin. She's like, can I please? <laughs> I have such strong and unfortunately very negative feelings about Ray being a Palpatine. Oh my God! So Caitlin, we were in the same screening. Did you hear me when that was announced? When they said. That I she did. was his granddaughter. I literally <laughs> said, "Oh God!" I couldn't contain I, I myself. I groaned. I groaned because it's just like, oh it, my God. it's a running joke with Star Wars, right? That this big, massive universe, everybody is related. 
Yeah, it's right? like it's like so basically to be a Jedi or a Sith, everybody's got to sleep with everybody else. And it's the thing ridiculous. about this choice is the thing about this choice is n- literally nothing about Ray's journey of I have anger and darkness inside me, and I need to learn to reconcile with it and come to grips with it in order to be a Jedi. Blah blah. blah. Nothing about that would have changed if she was still just some person from a planet right right and not the granddaughter of the emperor which is what she is nothing about it like you could have had the same exact story so why the only i have to think that the only reason they did that is because it's a reaction to the backlash that came out of of her being no one from the last jedi which to me is just even if you don't like that choice retconning it in this way just feels so weak forced it felt like they shoehorned it in like okay we'll make her important for you because the, you know it just can't be a gr- so okay here, so here's the thing the little boy that was in the post credit scenes of last jedi the one that moved the broom with his hand whose son is that whose right. grandchild is that, is that palpatine's son yeah and since finn obviously can access the force Somebody stepped out. Like, who? <laughs> whose kid is he? Like, I are we gonna turn? Right. I was, I was waiting. Honestly, I was really waiting when Billy D. Uh, as I'm sorry, Lando turned around and talked to the newer character, and she, he said to her, "Where are you from?" And she's like, "I don't know." I was waiting for him to turn around. I said, "If he turns around and says that he's her father, I'm throwing my popcorn and I'm running out of this theater." Yeah. <laughs> I 100% thought that exact same thing. I thought they were going to do it. Thank God they did not. <laughs> well, I read. Uh, to be honest, like I read, there were some story leaks about this movie that came out beforehand, and one of them had a thing about like a, an offhand comment where Lando indicates that he's Finn's father. You know, and I was just like, oh no. But fortunately that didn't manifest, so that's good. But yeah, no, I, I that choice to me, like it really soured. It, it was just like, a, it just left such a sour taste in my mouth. Yeah, I see. The thing is, is that I absolutely adored that, that story that she was a nobody from nowhere and she was still important to the story no matter what everyone told her. It read to me as very um, Doctor Who, because yes. the thing that I always loved about Doctor Who was that it you don't have to be a quote-unquote important person. You are just important because you're here and because you're doing what you need to do and you're trying to be a good person, and that makes you important. That choice to make Ray what I assume originally to be that nobody from nowhere who, as Kylo points out, you don't have a place in this story, like, a dick. The the whole thing that I liked about that was that, yeah, she doesn't have the name. She doesn't have, quote unquote, a place in this story in your mind, but she's still important. And making her related to the biggest bad of all time just feels really weak to me. And again, it goes back into that. This feels like a panic reaction to right. everyone freaking out over The Last Jedi. Right. It, it, or if the thing is like, if that if that had been the idea from the beginning that she was always the emperor's grandchild, maybe it was I don't know, but right. again, but if, if if that was the idea from the beginning, then the way it was set up in the first two movies was not good. Like it was it wasn't there. So like if that was the story you were telling, okay, but it doesn't feel that way. It feels like Ryan Johnson like, had give one me idea. Breadcrumbs. Yeah. And yeah. I also and I also feel like it really feels like J.J. Abrams came into a room of writers and was like, okay, look, we have this situation. How do we make Ray important? Because fans are not going for this. What do we do? 
hit me. And they just went around the room, and he was like, I like that, Palpatine, let's go for it. Yeah. I literally feel like this decision was made in 30 seconds. And the other the other one, the, yep. the other retcon from Last Jedi that really bothered me, Luke wasn't just sulking on an island the whole time. He was tracking down the Sith homeworld with land, like... That was an right. important thing that he could have said. I have work to do here or yeah, something. He I, never... It's just, it, it again, it feels like a capitulation to one of the biggest, most vocal complaints about The Last Jedi from certain people who did not like that film was that Luke, you know, that's not what Luke would have done. Luke was a hero. He wouldn't go into hiding on an island. And whether you think that or not, again, like I, I disagree with that assessment, but if you thought that, the way that it's handled here it just is not, it just feels weird. It doesn't feel like competent storytelling and i what i was saying earlier about i've I talked about kelly marie trans character i didn't you know i'll say it i just feel like they put her and finn out there as like look we have a movie that includes everybody and then you go to the movie and they're not used and my biggest issue with finn is they did not know what to do with him they they i feel like again that was some that was left on some scriptwriter's computer because it's like He's brought in, he's a stormtrooper who's turned against, you know, being a stormtrooper. And some of that was resolved a little bit when he's um, talking to the other young lady that shows up from the, um, that was also, there's all of them that have been former stormtroopers and it they hint at all of these, all of them have been child soldiers in some way, shape or form. Orphans of war that have just been taken by the empire and like forced to become stormtroopers. The, but the sad thing about it is it's like, okay, so in the, the when we first see him, by the end of that movie, he's got a little bit of the forest. He's got something. He can track Ray. He can hear Leia, things like that. Okay, we're going to continue with that. But I'm no longer interested in Kelly Marie Tran's character. I am now interested more in Ray. Ray has no interest in me. Okay, so now I'm over here with Poe, and we're going we're gonna, to you know travel the world, but... Then I get back to the planet and I'm more concerned with Ray, who still is ignoring me. So now we're going to go to another, like, they don't know what to do with him. And then even when she was kind of dying, I don't know, dying or dead. I don't know what that was, because I feel like she wasn't quite dead when Kylo brought her back. So let's and let's talk about actually uh, the one thing I want to talk about is um, Leia, right? The Leia stuff. This is a significant part of the film that. They were in a difficult position. Obviously, Carrie Fisher passed away, unfortunately. Um, what did you guys think of the way Leia was handled in this movie? It didn't... Honestly, I I feel like with... For someone who passed away before a movie was made, I felt they handled it pretty gracefully. I could I could see where the footage from the, the that stuff that shot before and now had ended. I could see that when she had her moment was not supposed to be her dying. It was supposed to... Probably it was probably an outtake of her feeling Han's death that was from the previous movie. But I still feel for the average person who does not know all that, I think they made a smooth transition. It was very clear that it was a, a body double that was lying in the bed in the shadows or whatever. But I honestly, I, I didn't mind it. And I thought it was a nice tribute to Carrie Fisher. Caitlin, what do you think? I think that they, yeah, they were in a very difficult position. They had, they were working with what they had already shot with her from The Force Awakens. So obviously they had to work everyone's dialogue with her around what they had already shot. Um, I think her passing would have been much more visceral if Carrie had actually still been around. Unfortunately, she is not. In my mind, they handled it just about as well as they could. I know a lot of people are not going to be happy about 
the idea of her sacrificing herself to bring her son back from the the dark. Personally, I think it's very um, in line with her character. She uses her strength. She knows that she is, she seems to not be doing very well. She's kind of failing. And you know that she is the kind of leader who is willing to step aside when she needs to. Um, And she knows that her time is up. And so she is going to do whatever she can to pass the baton on. And they handle it, I think, just about as well as they could have. Yeah. Yeah. And that was the moment. I mean, if I... The thing I, I've said walking out of the films, I didn't really feel a lot. If that was the stuff that kind of made me feel the most emotion, I think, was the stuff with uh, Leia. And unfortunately, that's not that's not speaking to how it's handled in the film. It's more the meta of, yeah. you know, knowing this is the last time we're going to see this right. actor on screen. The only thing that didn't uh, quite work did. with Leia was when they did towards the end the thing with um, Leia and Luke's lightsabers and then you go to that flashback of them fighting yeah that was so weird because it looked like they took what Carrie a Fisher's, weird well what? they took Carrie Fisher what what I think happened in Brothers Production they took Carrie Fisher's daughter was probably the person that was in that suit and it's almost like I don't want to say they superimposed Carrie Fisher's face but her face looked with all the stuff that we've been seeing on making people look younger I feel like they could have done a better job on the face well both of them I mean there. Luke's face in that was weird too I don't know uh yeah, it was just, it, it, that moment felt a little shoehorned. In yeah, and it, I don't think it was necessary. It's like, okay, yeah. so that's Luke and Leia's lightsabers. Take them away. Like, yeah. I don't think we needed the, the, the flashback. I don't know why that was necessary. As a whole, like I said, I enjoyed, here's the other thing before everybody thinks we're bashing this film. If you are not a diehard Star Wars fan, if you don't know that much about the franchise and you want to go and take your kids to see this film over the holidays, Absolutely take them. They will have nightmares over Palpatine if they're under the age of 10. But besides that, it'll be fine. Like it's it, it'll it, be so much fun. Yeah, they, it is still a fun film. We're talking about what we are thinking of the entire franchise as a whole. But if you are somebody who's like, I don't know all this stuff. I didn't hate the last. Uh, go see the film. You know, and let us know what you think. I, I don't know if I agree. I mean, people should see the film yeah. and, and draw their own conclusions. Obviously, this is just all our opinion. Uh, I don't know that I agree though that it's a it's a it's it's a good film. Family film. Like, yeah, or not just a, you know it's 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 got fun. It's like it's got a series of fun moments that don't come together into something coherent as a whole. That and you know even the prequels. I walked out of all the prequels the first time watching them with a certain buzz. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah, there was no buzz here. <laughs> uh, yeah, and and just some of the magic didn't seem the the magic that we've come to associate with with good Star Wars, whether it's the movies, whether it's Rebels or Clone Wars or whatever, just seemed to be missing here for me. I like the you pointing out that kind of buzzing feeling that you have when you walk out of the theater because I agree with that wholeheartedly. And then I walked out of this movie and I was just tired. I was so tired. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, and there's yeah. a lot of things that were forced. Even um, uh, Lord of the Rings, uh, Dominic Monaghan. I'm like, okay, he just would like randomly walk up and say a line and walk away. Well, like, he's, I mean, he's just a guy in the movie. But I think that the, and it's only relevant because we know who Dominic Monaghan yeah. is. He could have been actor, anyone. And there's a that's lot true. of that in the other films. I just, I mean, and that's the one thing I do want to say about the the Palpatine stuff. Like the thing that drove me crazy was that no one seems to care why he's back or how this is a guy who blew right. up in an air shaft and then the space station he was on was obliterated right 
And and then they're like, the emperor's back. How? Dark science. Okay. And everyone's just like, okay, that's it. That That's literally all the explanation we get. And again, I'm not a person who needs tons of backstory and like every single thing to be explained. But in this case, when the biggest devil of this entire universe shows up out of nowhere and everyone just kind of like hand waves it away, it just, it feels like, weird. Like, yeah, sure, man. Yeah. Yeah, it just feels weird. Like, But also Snoke, he says, like, in the very beginning, there's some exposition where his voice actually says, I made Snoke. Yeah, did you see? And we see pieces of Snoke in a test tube. There's Snoke's. It's awesome. But we, there's no explanation. Like, yeah, no, I've just, we've just it's been doing eugenics thing. for years. It's like, uh, oh, oh, we're just going to leave that alone? All right, okay. All right, and we're going to just explode Chewie in a transporter that we saw go away, but he happened to be on another transporter. Houseway, like there's some things just don't they just don't yeah, work <laughs> i i know i adam you and i have talked about this before in that i'm also the same kind of person where i i actually don't want to be hit over the head with exposition i don't want long monologues explaining things but there is a balance to be found somewhere in there where even if the characters themselves were to given a little bit more time to react or to process. Um, I mean, in, in, we get back to introducing, reintroducing the, the biggest devil in the galaxy um, in its history, just coming back in one movie without any hints previously. I think it would have, we could have gotten more of those explanations and more of those reactions if even in one of the movies someone mentioned, oh, there's rumors that the Emperor's back? And someone right. goes, oh, no, that's not possible. You know, as if we yeah, had we just nothing. something in the other movies. And I just think of, like, uh, you know, the when, again, to go back to Empire, and I hate to beat this horse again because Empire, is, you know, is my favorite of the Star Wars films. When Luke finds out that Vader is his father, the raw emotion and denial and everything of that no that's not true that's impossible like yes the 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 emotional depth in that moment is just never matched by anything that happens in this movie even when ray finds out she's, she's a palpatine. palpatine yeah she she's upset but it's not like it, you don't feel it like that yeah and just and, and i don't know man it, it just keeps the audience from feeling that same level of that sinking feeling or that level of like, oh my God, this is a momentous thing that just happened. Yeah. We've been really negative here and I feel bad about that because there are, you know, some of the space battles are fun and, and you know, like it was great the when, action is good. When, and, uh, when the rebel, and they're not even rebel forces like that, like the guy from the empire said, that's not an empire. That's just, I mean, that's not, those aren't, that's not the Navy. Those are just people. Like when all of the, that was a cool moment. Rebel. Yeah. Folks just showed up. Uh, and I, but I had to laugh because the way they were popping in, I was like, okay, somebody saw Endgame. Because <laughs> I really started showing up. <laughs> well, there's, a, there's a couple of moments. There's that one, and then did anyone else get an incredibly distinct Tony Stark and Endgame feeling when Palpatine says, like, I am all of the Sith, and yes. then Rey kind of gritting her teeth and says, and I am and all the Jedi, and then like does the thing. That yes, kills and him. The, exactly. I that am is, Iron Man. Yes, I did. Yes, I clocked that. That is like shot for shot, Tony Stark. It was. <laughs> it was. And then she's going against him, holding both uh, lightsabers, and it's really, really hard. And then she passes out. And yeah, yeah. That moment again. That moment yeah. to me, like uh, that. That was a moment too that left me cold. Like this is again the culmination, the defeat of the biggest villain in the galaxy. 
even today, knowing that it's going to happen, when I watch Return of the Jedi and Vader picks up Palpatine and is walking over to the air shaft with him and the music is amazing, John Williams' score in that moment is yeah. unbelievable, I get chills. Because it feels Same. like this, it feels like this big, powerful moment, and and to me, and again, I, it's hard to say because maybe that's nostalgia talking. Because I saw that movie first when I was eight years old, but Ray's moment of truth of defeating the Emperor lacked that for me entirely. Yeah. It just it just felt kind of cookie cutter almost of like, mm-hmm. uh, I don't know. It, it there wasn't the. It just her it's the difference between the guy who we thought is always the villain making the ultimate choice to sacrifice himself to save his son and defeat the biggest evil in the galaxy versus Ray just finding the strength to be like, you know what, I'm all the Jedi. I finally heard their voices and stand up. The the, the degree of, of power behind those two moments is so drastically different. Yeah, I and I, I completely agree. And I think uh Kate that I was saying this before uh, before the we were recording that I feel like this was not the final episode or the final movie in this pantheon, this this arc of the series. I felt like I was looking at a season finale, kind of, of like, I don't know, Korra? Right. Like the legend of Korra? There's like more. who finally gets all of her powers and realizes she can connect to all the avatars? I don't know. It just did not feel like the momentous mm-hmm. thing that we wanted it, you know. Am I overreaching? I don't think so, because I feel like everything is being echoed here on the podcast, even in the in, yeah. in fandom. I know we're not the only ones though. We could not be <laughs> I want to hear what other people have to say. Yeah. Well, I just one final point. I'm really interested to see how uh how kids react to this movie. Oh, interesting. Kids who are really big Star Wars fans. Because Adam, you you brought up a great point in that you know, we all watched these movies when we were kids and we grew up with them and we loved them. And so we have this nostalgia associated with it. Kids who, you know, obviously have a lot more Star Wars to consume now than anyone else did when they were younger. I want to see what like a a 10 year old thinks of this movie because they have so much more to go off of. And because this might be a movie that ends up being really formative for them. And so I'm, I'm interested to see what they think down the line. Yeah, the interesting thing I've discovered, though, is that for a lot of kids that I know, like my nieces and nephews, uh, they like Star Wars, but it doesn't hold that place. No, even Jurassic though, even Park with does, these though, movies, right? Or no, 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 because they're even too young for that. Oh, okay. It's Harry Potter. Oh. It's Marvel. And I think that that's part of a difference, oh, yeah. too, for kids growing up, is when we were kids and these movies were coming out, there was nothing else like it at the movies or anywhere, really, because TV certainly wasn't doing anything that's like fair. this. That's fair. And nowadays, there are multiple epic science fiction and fantasy sagas that people can get wrapped up in. On the TV, in the living room. Yeah, on like the TV or at the movies or wherever. <laughs> and, and so it's not as singular an experience for them where it, it, it has the opportunity to lodge itself that deeply. Is what, is, again, that's, that's what I'm experiencing from viewing a very small sample size, which is the, the children who are related to me mm-hmm. in my life. Uh, so, Caitlin, you're right. Like, you know, people, people who are approaching this from a younger age might get a very different experience out of it, and we should be, we should be clear about that. Because a lot of these, like, you know, ooh, the filmmaking and blah, 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 might not be something that kids of that age necessarily care about as much as we cynical grown-ass adults do. <laughs> but we want to hear what you think. We really do want to hear what a lot of the listeners think, so please absolutely and tell us, because we're curious. So, and the one thing I do want to wrap up with with everybody is, like, who, if you had to pick an MVP of the movie, who's your MVP? 
the Adam mechanic. Babu Frick. Babu Frick. No, Babu Frick. I love Babu, Babu Frick. Frick. He was. He Babu was, Frick is the hero of this movie. Yeah. How about you, Caitlin? Um, I have to go with Adam Driver's performance as Kylo Ren. I love how he did everything with the return of Ben Solo. However, you want to uh, whatever you can say about some choices that were made, but I have loved everything that he's done with the character, and I think that he has added a lot of depth to it. So, yeah. and it continued in this movie. I'm going to say Daisy Ridley. Uh, mm. But again, I think part of it is the, I would almost say the Daisy Ridley, Adam Driver combo. I think whenever those two are interacting. The dyad. It's, yeah, the dyad, exactly. It's, <laughs> it's great. It's great. Yeah. And she had, again, she had a lot of uh, uh, to carry being the hero of this new trilogy of films, being the first woman in that role in the Star Wars universe, at least at the movies. And I think did a really great job of creating a hero who connects with a lot of people. I would love to see more of Rey in the future. Uh, maybe there'll be a trilogy someday down the line where someone has to go to her for training because she's the hermit living in the desert now on a moisture farm. I would love that. Yeah. So we'll see. But uh, so yeah, Star Wars, The Rise of Skywalker. We're kind of not feeling, but we do want to hear what you have to say. <laughs> Please tell us we're wrong. If you loved it, we'd love to hear why and how. Um, and you can check out more about Star Wars, The Rise of Skywalker with Caitlin Bush. Caitlin, where can people hear you talk more about The Rise of Skywalker? Well, they can hear me talk about it on Job of the Pod. And, you know, if you want to chat with me online, you can reach me at Caitlin M. Bush. That's C-A-I-T-L-I-N-M. Bush like the beer, not like the presidents. <laughs> Karima, where can people find you online? You can find me, The Blurred Girl, T-H-E-B-L-E-R-D-G-U-R-L, all over the internet, but usually on Twitter and Instagram. You cannot find me on the internet, but reach out with your feelings. <laughs> or and you can just send me your Caitlin notes and we'll get them to him. And I will be there. Uh, yeah, and we'll we'll bug him. Exactly. So please do listen to Job of the Pod, our Star Wars podcast. Not only talk about Rise of Skywalker, but also The Mandalorian, all the movies, etc. Uh, many other podcasts that we have, Strong Female Characters, The Fandom Files, uh, the Lost Podcast we had wrapping up the anniversary of that show. Project Blue Book is coming back. The Churn is ongoing right now, talking about The Expanse, hosted by Anna Marie Cox. So many podcasts to listen to. Like them, subscribe to them, review them. It does help, including this one. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for journeying with us through the end of the Skywalker saga, and we will see you again next week.